The Daily Tap is live for Monday. It is July 24th. We're going to talk about why Craig Council's future will decide what the Brewers do at the trade deadline. We're also going to talk the impact of Sal Freelich, what he brings to the team, plus other Brewers and Braves thoughts. And then to wrap up today's show, who wants to see Aaron Rodgers fail more? Packer fans? or fellow AFC East rivals. We'll get into all that before we do. Just a reminder, on the socials, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. Thank you for all the love on TikTok. If you're joining us from TikTok, welcome. Uh, If that's the case, you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple, on Spotify, Overcast, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. If we're not somewhere that you listen to your podcast, please let me know. I will try to hook up an RSS feed and we'll we'll meet you there. That's what I do. I am a man of the people. Uh, before we get going, just a quick scheduling update if you need it. Usually I do this at the end of the show. We're doing it at the beginning. Why not? Shake head tomorrow. We're going to talk training camp. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of other things, I'm sure, as well. Uh, then I'll have off on Wednesday unless something crazy happens. Then Thursday, Mitch and I. Then you'll be again on Friday. So it'll be a sandwich of solo shows uh, for the people. But if the Brewers do do something in terms of trade, uh, we will be there for you. And that is apropos because we are talking about the trade deadline to kick off our Monday show. The MLB trade deadline is a little over a week away. August 1st is the last day that trades can be made. There are a lot of balls in the air nationally and locally. I think the biggest question here locally is, will the Brewers make significant moves? Will the Brewers go quote-unquote all-in? There is a mentality amongst the bandwagon fans that the Brewers do not go all in. I push back heavily on this because I think the Brewers have done what they can to win baseball games every trade deadline. They always try to upgrade when they feel like the team has a chance. I do not think what happened in 2022 will happen again this year or anytime soon. I think the Brewers learned a valuable lesson that year. I think it's a hard lesson to learn, but I cannot see the Brewers making a a trade that involves Brandon Woodruff, Willie Adamas, Corbin Burns. It would have to be a stunner to maybe see if Adamas gets moved, but I don't think that's going to happen. And I do think how the Brewers approach the trade deadline is really going to determine on Craig Council. Craig Council right now is in the last year of his contract. No one knows what Craig Council is going to do. The Milwaukee Brewers media has not done a great job on pressing Council on that. The only little bit of news we got was from Tyler Kepner of the New York Times where Kepner reported that Council was weighing his options, that Council really wanted to watch his kids play college basketball, or baseball, excuse me, one at Notre Dame, one at Minnesota. Uh, but that was really all we got. We did get some national reporting from Bob Nightingale about a month ago that David Stearns probably is going to take the Mets job and be the president of baseball operations, and Stearns might want to bring Craig Council to New York. But I felt like that was a, I don't want to say fake news or misinformation, but Bob Nightingale, A, has not always been the best in terms of sourcing stuff. But number two, it would be way out of left field for Council to go to the Mets 
and join a franchise that is as dysfunctional as it gets, that is a high-profile job, a job where I think their fan base would not understand the intricacies and sort of the weird stuff that Craig Council does and be accepting of it. And also with a kid still in high school and his two sons playing in the Midwest, it would be a complete like midlife crisis move from Craig Council. But that's all the news we've got. We've not got anything from McAlvey. We've not got anything from Hogg. We've not got anything from Rosiak. Those guys do great fucking work, okay? Like, I'm not trying to criticize them. I really appreciate the stuff. Uh, they all provide special value in terms of the media world. But they have not got the story on Craig Council. And if I were to sit down with them, which I should probably do a better job about interviewing, but that's another story for another time. And I would ask, like, why haven't we got the council story? Does anyone know? Is everyone in the dark? Like, where, where is that Craig Council story? Where, what is the smoking gun? Do the Brewers know behind the scenes and everybody's keeping it locked and key? And in baseball, I think that's a lot easier than football or basketball because while Jeff Passan is a good, you know, newsbreaker and the woes of baseball, he doesn't sort of drop bombs like Woj does. He doesn't really do stuff like Shams. He doesn't do stuff like Schefter or Ian Rappaport. Passan's in his own category. And I, there are a lot of baseball newsbreakers like Heyman breaks stuff. Uh, Robert Murray, who I think he's working for Fanside these days, he breaks stuff. Uh, so like there are so, so many, but it's a very easy thing to keep lock and key, especially because Craig Council is the golden child. I think they will do anything that Craig Council requests. If Craig Council says, I don't want a new contract, I'm going to explore my options with other teams, or I'm going to retire at least for the time being, or I want to move into a front office role, which is something I think a lot of us expected that Council would say, I'm going to move to the front office, kind of Steve Kerr before Steve Kerr got back with the Warriors sort of thing. And what we've seen with other executives, Brad Stevens, another great example of this. Like That's what I think a lot of us thought Craig Council would do but we haven't heard anything. And what does this have to do with the trade deadline, you ask? I think that the Brewers are going to make decisions based on Craig Council's future. And I've developed three scenarios. Number one is that he's gone, let's go for it. I think that other than Bob Euchre, the guy that they wanna get a World Series for, and they, meaning the Milwaukee Brewers and the front office and the ownership is Craig Council. They want to get Craig Council a World Series, at least appearance, if not a title. If Craig Council brings the Brewers back to the World Series for the first time since 1982, he will walk on water in this city and not pay for the drink the rest of his life. That is something that will live in infamy. You think about how the Milwaukee Brewers 82 Brewers are beloved in this city. They roll back 82 shit every goddamn year. And it's, some of it's a little bit much. We've talked about it on podcasts before. But Craig Council is a guy that I think the Brewers want to see that same sort of success, that same sort of affirmation, that, that appreciation of what Craig Council's done for his career. Because there maybe are some that don't really appreciate all that Craig Council brings to the Brewers, but getting a World Series appearance or even a World Series win would put Craig Council on another level here locally, but also national. If Craig Council told the Brewers that, hey, I'm retiring after this year, I'm done, I will be an advisor to Matt Arnold, but I really don't want to work a nine to five baseball job. I wanna go see my kids. I wanna spend more time there. I just need a break. And if the Brewers know this and they're keeping it under lock and key, 
they are going to go all the way in. I really do believe that. I don't know if they're going to get Shohei Otani. That's not like that much in. But could I see the Brewers saying, all right, we're going to make a massive splash for Dylan Cease and Eloy Jimenez. And we're just going to unload the farm a little bit. And we're going to get guys back that could really help our team this year and get us a World Series. Now, I think the problem with baseball is that one guy does not guarantee you a World Series. It's not basketball where one guy can go on your team and it makes a world of difference and all of a sudden you're a finals contender or you're the the team to beat. It is not like that in baseball. If it was Mike Trout and Otani, they would be in the World Series every goddamn year. It takes a collective unit. And so that's why I'm... It's not that I'm uncertain about it, but that's where it's the all-in. There, There is some inherent risk, especially because the Atlanta Braves are good. But we'll touch on the Braves-Brewer series and, and what it means. But yeah, I think if Council is gone, they are going to make a concerted effort to try to get as much talent on this roster. And all it might not be the same team, right? It might be that they're getting, even though I, I heard today that the Red Sox are, I think that, what did they call them? They call them like, they're going to be buyers, but cautious by, it wasn't cautious by paraphrasing, but basically they're going to be buyers. But if, if for some reason the Red Sox suck this next week and they're able to trade for Justin Turner and then they're able to get a first base bat too and they get a they get a starter and they get a reliever. So they make like four moves, right? If they, if they just load up this roster to basically get themselves in a position to be a as good of a baseball team as humanly possible, then I, I think that is a sign that Craig Council might be retiring. And I think that's something that we will discuss next week if that's the case, right? If the Brewers make a slew of moves, I think that's a bat signal that Craig Council's retiring and the Brewers are doing everything they fucking can to win a title or to at least get there and die trying. And maybe even getting there convinces Craig Council that he is going to stay. And at which, look, people change their minds all the time, right? I mean, we've seen it with Brett Favre. We saw it with Aaron Rodgers. We've, we've seen it with other people where... You are set on something and then and then you change your mind. And I don't think a lot of the casual fans would see the Brewers going all in and be like, oh, this is a bat signal for council. A lot of them would be thrilled because it'd be like, finally, the Brewers are going all in. Everybody would have buy-in. I think tickets would be way up. I think there are going to be a lot of people in the stands regardless. I mean, there was 38, 39, and 39, I believe, uh, for this the home... The weekend series against Atlanta, I think you're going to get great crowds for Cincinnati this week. Like, I just think people are A, in on this team, but B, the weather is really good, right? This is perfect baseball weather. Uh, Today was an ideal day to go to the ballpark. So I think you're going to have people in regardless, but if the Brewers were to make some significant splashes, I do think you'll see the fan base, you know, grow. And I think you'll see more people care. I do also wonder with, the uncertainty of the Green Bay Packers, is there an avenue to sort of steal some of that share, right? And this is beyond Craig Council. This is more just big picture stuff where people are unsure about the Packers. Maybe some people are out on the Packers because they're Aaron Rodgers guys or gals and they they need something to watch in September and the Brewers can provide that resource. And if they you know get the momentum in August to kind of keep people invested, where on Sundays, it's not just football. We're gonna keep a second screen on what the Brewers are doing too. Like that, that's what they want. 
And I don't know if they're going to achieve that, but I, I do find that as a potential part of this as well. But yes, Craig Council, if he's gone, I think you see the Brewers make a flurry of moves to get themselves to being a top tier team. Now, does this mean that they're going to trade Jackson Chorio? No. Does this mean they're going to trade Jacob Mizorowski? Eh, maybe, right? Mizorowski, I think, just he because of the high ceiling, low floor, and the low floor is he's an awesome reliever, and which is not a bad floor, but when you're right now looking like a top pitching prospect, it's a lower floor than say it was, you know, maybe a, a month ago or even a, even at the start of the season. Uh, and Tyler Black, I, I think, could be potentially on the market. I think I'd have a real hard time with Quiro because he's a catcher. Uh, and I do, I don't know if I'll do it, but I, I did want to do a trade value sort of podcast with what, what I would think the Brewers might do, uh, but I never I never got around to it. So that's a free idea for somebody else. But yeah, I, I think obviously that's the cost of doing business. And that's always a really hard thing, I think, with some fans too, because they're like, oh, I want them to go all in. And if they trade Garrett Mitchell or they trade Joey Weimer, everybody's gonna be like, what the fuck? Why did they trade that guy? I can't believe they dealt with him. And it's like, to get better, you're going to have to give something up. You can't just, you know, trade slums and expect that you're going to get these great players back. That's not how it fucking works. So I, I hope that everybody is ready for that. So let's go to other scenarios with Craig Council. Uh, kind of have, you know, we had the first one down. The second one is he's staying, but the Brewers still think he has, they have a shot. I think if Craig Council is staying along for the ride and the Brewers have convinced them like, hey, look, with all this young talent, just sign on. We can go year to year. You can kind of keep your options open. But with all this young talent, you'd be foolish to leave us right now. We are building such a good thing. I still think the Brewers would go for it. I'm kind of walking over a little bit of the Brewers Brave stuff that we're going to talk about later. But I think just seeing the Brewers compete with the Atlanta Braves. I know they only won one out of three games. But I think the Brewers have enough there to know they, they can compete. They just need to get a little bit better. And if they get a little bit better, does that put them over the top to beat the Atlanta Braves? I don't know. The Atlanta Braves are really fucking good. They're the best team in baseball. Sometimes that happens where the best team in baseball is in on your side of the bracket. And that's what the Braves are. But baseball is also unpredictable where somehow you could win seven, you could win a seven game series against that team, even though they have more advantages than you do. That's that's the beauty of baseball. The unpredictable nature of baseball is something I think we marvel at every October. So yes, the Brewers do need to get better to elevate themselves against the Braves. And even if Craig Council is staying, they still need to do that. I also think for that same token, the Dodgers are right there too. And so that you're gonna need to get a little bit more of a level up uh, to be, play with those guys. I think the Brewers right now are on a second tier. They're still on a solid tier, they, but they're just not on that Dodgers-Braves level. Number Scenario number three is that the Brewers truly do not know. The Brewers have no idea what Craig Council is going to do. They've probably checked in with him, but there's no real, there's no real sense of what he's going to do. And I, I do think that puts them in a bind. I almost wonder if they go back to scenario one, that just in case Craig Council's leaving, we better go for it here. Because who knows if our next coach is going to be at the same level of Craig Council. So we might as well say fuck it and push our chips in a little bit here 
and try to win a World Series in the Craig Council era, right? So I, I do think that that has some bearing. If they don't have any idea, I think they revert back to he's leaving. We assume he's leaving. He's told us at other times he might be leaving. So we might as well try for this. We might as well try to convince him to not leave. I, I will say this to kind of wrap us up. I don't want the Brewers to panic. I don't want the Brewers to look at this and say, well, Council's leaving. We need to make sure that we have the best team forward. So we have to make moves. We have to overpay for a CJ Crone or a Jaime Candelario or something like that. I do not want the Brewers to do that. I'd rather the Brewers get no players than overpay for guys who are just a little bit above average or having good years, right? Like Candelario or like Crone just being a, a reliable bat. I can't, I just can't have the Antoine Kelly from Matt Bush deal. Now, Antoine Kelly hasn't been up for the Rangers, so you could argue, yeah, that maybe worked out okay in the long run. Uh, you know, the Wong Winker thing where it all sucked. Uh, but it, it's just one of those things where you, you have to be careful if you're the Brewers. You can't panic. You can't just try to go over the top and beat other teams' offer unless it's like a no-trade thing and then you need to you need to convince maybe a little bit more. But still, that... Even then, like don't don't try to trade with uh, trade for a guy who doesn't want to be here. Like I guarantee you, we're on Verlander's no trade clause. Not that we want, not that I want Justin Verlander or think Justin Verlander should be a Brewer, but it's, it makes no sense to you know try to work on deals if you know Verlander's going to turn it down. Uh, which I don't know why I would. Milwaukee, great city in the summer, but yes, Craig Council is going to decide this deadline. If Craig Council is leaving after this year, I think you're going to see more moves. And if you do see more moves starting this week or next week, just remember this podcast and remember that we told you and start mentally preparing yourself for life after council. Moving on, we're staying with the Brewers, but moving on to our guy, Sal Freelich. Sal Freelich has lit a spark under the city of Milwaukee. Incredible Saturday night game. I was actually at the Garden Home Show which uh, we should talk about. I will save the Garden Home Show talk when Mitch and I uh, do the podcast on Thursday. It'll be a little bit stale, but it's a great way to open. One of the coolest things I've done this summer, I will just leave it there. Uh, I saw Mitch perform at Inescape Bowl and it was the fucking shit. So we'll talk about that um, on Thursday's show. So that's a little tease. Uh, but I, I, cause I want to do it with him and I want to ask him about it, have some questions, uh, some commentary on, on, on the whole thing. But anyways, so yes, I was, I was there and while Sal was lighting it up, I had my uh, one eye on one eye off. I was checking game cast. I was seeing all the stuff he was doing. I went back and watched the game after I got home, uh, from city lights that night. And man, what an incredible game from Sal Freelich. And he had a, he had a, I think he had a hit and a walk today uh, on Sunday. And Sal already in the, already in the middle of the order for the Brewers, which is so fucking silly and so apropos to what this Brewers offense has been this season. But Sal, man, is a special kind of guy, and I think he is definitely a dude that can provide a lot for this Brewers team going forward and a spark plug that has been missing 
you know, in this offense. I think Garrett Mitchell provided some of that early on, but Sal's better than Garrett Mitchell. Like Sal, Sal is a guy who is just going to always get on base. He can run. He can field. He can. He kind of can do it all. He's not a huge power hitter, but honestly, with the way that the Brewers have sort of done, you know, had a when their offense is going right, and we've really only seen it in July and part of April. But when it is going, it's the Brewers manufacturing runs. It's the Brewers getting runs across the board, not necessarily being the long ball. And I think that really plays well to what Sal Freelich is. I actually think instead of hitting fourth, I think Sal should hit third. I think it should be Christian Yelich, William Contreras, and then Sal Freelich, and then Willie Adamas. Willie Adamas, I know, has been struggling in terms of his average. Like, he's only batting at 209. He's had a lot of strikeouts. It's it's kind of been the Willie we saw from 2022 as well. But I, I, I think having Willie in the middle is great because of the power. He's still hitting for power. He's leading the Brewers in home runs at 16. You want Willie Adamas' power bat in the middle because you don't really have anything else. If the, if the Brewers were the Braves, Willie Adamas is probably hitting sixth or seventh, right? Uh, he's not necessarily hitting in the middle of the order, but this is all you got. And having, you know, Freelick behind Contreras, and then if you have Yelich and Contreras getting on base, setting the table for Sal Freelick, I think that's great. And I, and I could also see a situation where Freelick's leading off and Yelich is hitting third because Yelich has maybe a little more power than Freelick. But Yelich has been so good in that one spot, it's really hard I think at least for me and probably for Craig Council, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not there to move Yelich out of the one spot. And I, I don't think you want to go Yelich Freelich back to back because you then invite you know a team to just use its lefties. Yelich has been good against lefties. I don't know the intricacies of Freelich splits against lefties to be like, oh yeah, he'll he'd be fine. But I, I just think the Brewers, you know, are in a spot right now where. Every game counts, you know, the Reds this week. And I'll be very curious to see how they move Sal around the lineup. I do think you're going to have him near the top. Maybe he's going to be your cleanup guy going forward. And that's that's just what it's going to be. And they're going to stack it the way we saw today. Or it's going to be something else tomorrow. Uh, I, I think Craig Council is a guy that loves to tweak. He's not a guy that will keep the same lineup. And I just think that they're going to try to put Sal in as many run-producing situations or run-basically manufacturing situations as humanly possible. But it's it's a great spark for Brewers fans. I think it's not necessarily something that was needed, but it seemed like a matter of time once Freelich started to get going at the plate. He really struggled after the thumb injury. And then got going at the plate in AAA. And it was like, all right, it's Sal time now. Caught me a little bit off guard. I'll I'll be honest. I was not expecting him to be up anytime soon. Is that something that I prepared for when we were breaking down the Brewers and Braves series? But yeah, having him here and, and making that immediate sort of splash just adds to the excitement. I think there are a lot of people that might make it out to Brewers Reds this week because they want to watch Sal Freelich. They want to watch him perform. And that's that's exciting. That's something that I has I wouldn't exactly say has been lacking from the Brewers because I think the Yelich return has added you know something to why you go to watch the offense. Same with you know 
Adamas is always good for a home run. I think Contreras' July has been crazy, although he... Uh, did he have... I, I, I can't remember if he had a good... He didn't really have much this weekend against his former mates. A little bit here, a little bit there, but definitely not... He was 0 for 4 tonight, today. Definitely not the same thing we've seen. Maybe pressing a little bit. Obviously playing against your former mates. He was 2 for 4 on, on Friday, but 0 for 4 in his last two games. But yeah, 2 for 4. He had a double and an RBI uh, in that one. That's right. So he had a good Friday night, but then... Uh, Saturday and Sunday, not so much for for Contreras. As for the Brewers and Braves thoughts, I mentioned it earlier, but I think just the fact that every game was close for the Brewers, the Brewers didn't look like they didn't belong, right? We saw them against the Diamondbacks where they struggled a little bit more. And I think it raised some questions about what is this team? Is this team just, you know, happy to be there, happy to be a part of the playoffs? Or can they actually, you know, be something come October? And I think, this series shows that they're they're close. But they just need a little bit of a push. They need a little bit more help to be at the Braves level. But all three games are winnable, right? Uh, Freddie Peralta doesn't have two leadoff walks that lead to home runs. The Brewers are right in that game on Friday. And Freddie's going to face this team again next week. And he's he's got to work on that stuff. He he relies on a lot of swing and chase stuff. And the Braves don't do that. So how do you work around that? How do you figure out? Do you pitch more of the contact? Freddie Peralta, man, it's been a really rough year for him. And I, I it's hard to like see the upside, right? Like we've seen it in the past, but it's just been such a rough year that I don't think at this point I can count on Freddie Peralta in the playoffs. Now, could that change? Yeah, Absolutely. Am I, you know, writing off Freddie for his career? No, not at all. I think we got a long way to go there. But I, I, I do think some work some work is needed. But I, I do credit the Brewers for battling back, for making it a game, you know, six two. They couldn't they you know, they we've seen, you know, earlier in this season the Brewers get sort of, you know, run down. Now they've gotten a lot better at that. I think really what was it? I think that Diamondbacks game was a good example when they came back, I think from four down to win that one in like middle of June. And that was kind of the start of the Brewers suddenly figuring out how to come back in baseball games. And they've they've certainly not been the team earlier in the year where they'd get down early and then it'd be like, shut it down. Like it'd be a like John Taffer seeing a bad bar. Like it, it does, that doesn't necessarily happen anymore for the Brewers, which is great. And then you, you know, you see sat, Saturday, we, you know, we talked about it, you know, Freelich, Obviously having, you know, the moment, <laughs> the multiple moments in that game, uh, the Brewers being down 3-0 early after an Austin Riley home run, but that was all they, their offense really could do. Uh, Adrian Hauser was incredible in this this game and shouldn't really get lost in, in all the Freelick stuff. Like Hauser was six innings, six, run, six hits. He had the home run to Riley, only two walks, struck out 10 batters. When is Adrian Hauser striking out 10 batters? That's silly, especially against an offense like Atlanta. And they're they're not striking out as much. And Adrian Hauser just continues to be a pretty reliable guy. We talk about Colin Ray as an unsung guy, but Adrian Hauser really has had that crown as well. Like look at his June and July where he started six games, uh, two extra ones out of the bullpen, 368, two and one. Uh, giving up 10 runs, nine overall. And then he was 378 in June in three innings, all of them starting, 
Only allowed seven runs so far. Uh, his hits have been down, but obviously there's a couple more games there. But yeah, you got to give it up for Adrian Hauser, man. And I'm really impressed with the way he's been playing. And then today, you had Julio Tehran sort of bounce back. And Julio Tehran's been not great in July, and it kind of looked like he was on his way to getting DFA'd. And, you know, he really struggled early on in the games. He made one mistake to Travis Darno, who I swear kills the Brewers every time. But three hits allowed, five strikeouts. You know, he only pitched 78 pitches. And I I agree, I think, with Craig Council for not trying him the seventh inning, not trying him another time through. There was some critique of how Craig Council handled the bullpen. I, I don't think you can critique Craig for the bullpen given how good they've been. Like, the bullpen at some point was going to give up a run, right? That, that's just baseball. That, that That's part of... The game, like even the best pitchers are going to have bad starts. There's no guy. It's hard to find a, like a Cy Young guy who's had like an incredible year throughout the entire thing. Throughout April and September, he never had one bad outing. Oh, they all do, right? And so Pagaro gives up the three-run homer to Albies, and it was just a terrible first pitch. He cannot throw that ball. Like, and that that that's that's going to happen. And I'm okay not putting your rebay in in the you know in the eighth inning. I think that's a really big spot for a young pitcher, um, and he's shown sort of that he has he has the wherewithal. But you also want to conserve a little bit of it. You got to be cognizant of that he's a young guy, and you don't probably want you want him in spurts, not necessarily you know pitching a ton. Um, and yeah, I mean a positive I guess is Piamis and Devin Williams got rest. Uh, but yeah, the Brewers definitely need a little more offense, right? They, you know, four runs, four runs, two runs uh, is not necessarily what we've seen, you know, in some of the other games this July. So they took a slight step back there. But still, man, like think about the positives here. And the Brewers are 12 and six now, I, I believe, in the month of July. It's pretty damn good. You have a big series with the Reds this week. Uh, the Reds certainly are going to look to try to establish themselves, try to regain the lead in the NL Central. They swept the Diamondbacks this weekend, which is very impressive. You know, so the Reds are coming in, you know, playing good baseball, which we've heard before, and the Brewers have had their number, but things can change on a dime, right? And the Reds are only a half game back right now of the Brewers. They've won five straight, but what's interesting is everybody's sort of come back to where the Brewers are when it comes to a wild card. The Diamondbacks and Giants right now are tied. Actually, the Reds are leading the wild card. Uh, so if the Brewers were to lose, they would be top dog in the wild card. Part of that reason is due to the fact the Giants have lost five straight. The Diamondbacks lost four straight. Uh, the Phillies just won today, but they, they have not been playing good. We saw what the Brewers did against them. The Marlins were finally able to get off the schneid after they had lost eight straight. They they won their first game after the All-Star break, which is nutty that the Marlins hadn't won that. So there is a little bit of cushion where the Brewers don't have to be perfect against the Reds. I'm not excusing any losses. I want to win. Uh, and you have Colin Ray and Graham Ashcraft today, uh, which is not as it's an interesting matchup because I saw this matchup in Cincinnati and it was a the Brewers hung 10 on Ashcraft and Colin Ray had to you know sort of fight and scrap and it ended up being this very close game but Ray's pitching all right 
Ashcraft's pitching all right. I don't know. It's it, it's an interesting one for sure. Uh, but it'll be hot. Uh, it's going to be really warm all week at the stadium. Then you have Andrew Abbott versus Corbin Burns, which we've now seen three times. Uh, think of your Andrew Abbott. You've pitched well against everybody but the Brewers. The Brewers have sort of figured out left-handers. Uh, that'll be a good test to see, too, if Freelick is going to get, you know, if he's going to face a left-hander in Abbott. Uh, but then you have Abbott and Burns. And then on Wednesday, to wrap it up, Ben Lively was pitching well against Freddie Peralta. So Freddie Peralta actually avoids the Braves. So we will see if Freddie Peralta can bounce back against this Braves team or against the Reds uh, because certainly, certainly needed. So that, oh, we do not see Burns for the Braves. I thought maybe we'd get Burns for the Braves, but it'll be Colin Ray. So uh, Colin Ray, Julio Tehran, and Adrian Hauser on the road for the Braves. Uh, it's, it's something else, man. Uh, but yeah, all in all, even though it was the first series the Brewers have lost since middle of June, I feel like it was a good one. And I'm not going away from it that sad. I, I'm not a, I said it on the review a couple times, I'm not a moral victory guy, but I'm hard pressed not to feel pretty good about where the Brewers are and what, they, what they're about at this point of the season. All right, let's wrap up today's show with, it's kind of a fun topic. So we're getting, we're getting into football. Uh, training camp is a couple days away for the Green Bay Packers. I believe it starts on Wednesday. As mentioned, it's gonna be fucking hot. So if you're up there early, wear your sunscreen, uh, make sure you're in a lot of shade. But the New York Jets have already started training camp. The Jets have started training camp early because they are part of the Hall of Fame game against the Cleveland Browns. Aaron Rodgers, of course, being a hater of preseason, will not be a part of that. Now, that said, we've had a lot of Jet stories go out this weekend. We had the tackling dummies that were the AFC East teams. We had Sauce Gardner give Aaron Rodgers a chain, which was one of the weirder things that I've seen in a long time. And I'm not saying it just because I am an Air, I'm like an Aaron Rodgers hater or something like that. Aaron Rodgers is a 39-year-old dude, and he is probably one of the last guys that I could see rocking a chain such as that one. It was if you missed this video, it's on the Jets socials. It's if you just look at like Aaron Rodgers and Sauce Gardner, you'll see it. Uh, but basically, it's this studded out chain. And he and basically, Sauce's jeweler, Al the jeweler, of course, his name's fucking Al. He's probably, you know, hiding money for one of the mob families in New York. Uh, and he's like, he, Aaron Rodgers is a favorite player. So he makes this eight chain. It, it has green diamonds. It has, you know, what green and white, basically. It looks like the Jets colors. I'm sure Rodgers will wear it to, you know, one of the games, right? And he'll, he'll have it on. And so it'll be a big thing. And it'll go viral and the whole fucking bet. But it's so odd. It's so weird. It's like, hey, man, you're part of us now. We're going to give you this chain. And it's, it's just bizarre uh so and then Jets fans are like oh nobody ever gave Aaron Rodgers this in in 18 years in Green Bay it's like yeah because we're not fucking corny uh like somehow a team in Green Bay Wisconsin is less corny than the team in New York City Uh, but anyways it got me thinking uh you know who who's really gonna cheer like who wants to see the Jets failure more is it the Green Bay Packers or is it the division rivals? Now, 
Green Bay Packer fans are a special bunch. There are some who are probably Jets fans. There are some that are going to be cheering for Aaron Rodgers this year and not cheering for the Packers. As I said, those are probably the same people who cheered for Brett Favre and cheered for the Minnesota Vikings. I am on record. I will say it again here. Those people are not allowed to be fucking Packer fans. All right? They're just fans of the quarterbacks. They are star fuckers for all I am concerned. Apologize for all the language there, but come on. Like, that's just, that's that's too much, okay? And, but there there will be those people. But there will also be people who are very anti-Rodgers that want to see Rodgers fail at every corner, that want to see the Jets struggle in every possible way. And then there are probably people like me that are in the middle that really all I care about is the Jets, Rodgers getting to 65% of the snaps and that the Jets are, you know, maybe about average, right? That's that's really all I probably want. I don't want the Jets to be awesome and the Packers to suck. I think if the Packers are awesome and the Jets suck, that will make for a lot of fun. We will have a good time with that. I'm more than happy to dance in the Jets' grave if they start struggling. If Aaron Rodgers looks like a shell of himself, I will have fun with that. I am worried, though, that they're going to start slow and everyone's going to be ready to write the Jets off and then they're going to go on a run. Uh, Kevin Clark brought this up uh, on a podcast I was listening to, I think like a week ago, maybe, uh, was with Ryan Ursillo and talked about how like Tom Brady, and if you remember when Brady and the Buccaneers, they really got off to a slow start. If you remember, everybody was kind of digging their grave a little bit. Everybody was ready to be like, oh, Belichick was right. Belichick figured this out. And then all of a sudden, it's like, here comes the Buccaneers. And I, I do worry that that will happen with the Jets. So yes, I do think that Packer fans have like a angst and a hate towards it. But I don't know if it's better than like the AFC East teams, like and it, which is a loaded division. Like think about the New, York, New England Patriots. New England Patriots right now are projected to probably be the bottom feeder of the East. They're in a bizarre world because they've always been the king of the castle. They still look at themselves as the king of the castle, even though they're not. They are, speaking of shells of themselves, they are a shell of themselves. So to deal with these cocky New Yorkers who are, you know, it's a big rivalry, Jets and Patriots because of the Parcells stuff, because of the Belichick stuff because of the butt fumble and the Patriots have picked on the Jets. The Jets have been their little brother. It is the, I'll go as far as saying this, it's the AFC equivalent of Packers Bears. It really is. And so now ain't no fun when the Rabbits got the gun. The Patriots have to be rooting for the Jets demise more than we are because it's like, holy shit, we are now the Jets. Like we've transformed now to the Jets and that's not what what they want to be. I think for the Bills, there's a thought of like, hey, wait, we are supposed to be the team that kind of comes out of our, you know, shadows and is awesome. And you guys don't get this. Like we are the team in New York, not you guys. It is us for Upstate. It's It's the Giants and then it's you guys. And you guys are sort of the, you know, black sheep of it all. Like the Jets have never really had, besides the Rex and the Sanchez thing in 2011, the Jets really haven't had a lot 
of prominent moments, things that you remember about Jets football. They have been a laughing stock. So I think for the Bills, where they got out of sort of that laughing stock with McDermott, with Josh Allen, with Diggs, Brandon Bean running the show at GM, like they've they are out of that abyss. They have kind of went back with it with all the off-field stuff. Josh Allen kind of going the Rogers route, dating celebrities, things like that. Like, I think there's more concern about the Bills. The more I think about the Bills, the more I think I'm going to fade them early on. I just think there's way too much smoke going on and the team chemistry just feels weird to me. It feels kind of similar to like the 2015 Packers, right? Where they lost a heartbreaking playoff game and they just were never able to really be the same team. They were a shell themselves, popular, popular term here. But yeah, I, I, I'm not really that high on Buffalo. And I, I do wonder if there is a, a fear from them. And I think for Miami... They're, Miami and the Jets, I think, are a little bit of a Spider-Man meme where I don't know if there's that much hate because I, I think the Dolphins, you know, ascended last year, made the playoffs, and they, they are the sexy, like, you know who I like to win the Super Bowl? The Dolphins at 25-1. to 1. Like, I, I, they're kind of like the sexy Super Bowl pick for everybody, which is very interesting to me because... I don't know if I could really put American dollars down that Tua Togolavioa is going to stay healthy, right? And so I, I just wonder the hatred that the Packers are going to have, Packer fans are going to have, or the disdain, the the celebration when the Jets struggle, I don't think it's going to match the AFC East. I think that there are, there are teams, there are franchises that want to see the Jets stay down. Having the Jets rise to prominence and having to deal with their fans and have to deal with all the hype. And and that's the other thing. Like New York, man, it just, it, it, it's insufferable. And I, I told you guys this and I said, this is going to be the worst part of it. And you're already getting burned out about it. You don't want people to talk about it. And that's, but we're going to, we have to. We're going to talk about hard knocks. We're going to talk when the... Jets play. It's all going to be part of the natural conversation. All right. That does it for us. We will be back tomorrow with Shake Ken. Uh, we'll talk, I'm sure, a lot about training camp and I'm sure a bunch of other stuff. I have some DJ questions. Kind of want to know what's hot in the streets. And yeah, if you have anything to let it, anything you want us to talk about, hit us up on ta- on Twitter, Tab the Keg on Twitter, Tab the Sports on Instagram. You shoot DM. I think my DMs are open on both. I oh yeah, that's right. Twitter's going to X. We gotta call it X now. I that you think me an American Family Field and Miller Park is bad? Imagine being like, yeah, we're on X at tapping the Keg. Oh man, I, I gotta. That's. That's that is hell on earth for me. Uh, I I don't really have a take on what Elon's doing. I don't give a fuck. Uh, for being honest, like I I was almost gonna do this thing about opting in and opting out of stories around the Jason Aldean saga, and then I was like, you know what? It's probably not one for me to talk about. And I was like, you know, what? I'm just gonna sit out. Uh, let other people let other people discuss discuss that. And but yeah, I'm definitely out. a lot of Elon stuff. I I just care about the product. And I just care that as long as it stays the largest virtual sports bar, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be hanging out because 
Nothing's better than hanging out on Twitter, watching sports with you, with your with your group, the guys that follow, the gals that follow, as well as the people I follow, and it's it's great, and I I, I enjoy it every day. Uh, you know, you guys know I sing the praises of Twitter now. Axe. Okay, that does it. Uh, I will see you tomorrow with Shaken. Take care of everyone. Bye.